Oh, hey there. Thanks for choosing to listen to Conference Talk. This is Shelby. And this is Kevin. Tune in each week to hear us discuss a conference talk by modern-day apostles and general authorities. We love y'all, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 20 of Conference Talk. (laughs) And today we are going to be discussing Elder David A. Bednar's talk titled let this house be built unto my name and this was a pretty legit talk but first we've got a little housekeeping a little bit of podcast business okay so something that we've been thinking about doing for a while and now it's finally secured we figured out how we want to execute it is to move this podcast to another podcast feed so instead of it being on the feed that you're listening to it right now, which is now called the Book of Mormon podcast, instead of just Christ-centered conversations, though that's still what we're called. That's still our, our podcast brand, if you will. But this feed is going to be dedicated to the Book of Mormon and then a separate feed, which will go live following the October 2020 general conference right it'll just be conference talk with an exclamation point (laughs) right can't forget that can't forget that it will have all of our i guess you could call it season one which Mm. which is really the april 2020 general conference talks right and we will then begin october season two yeah season two which is october 2020 general conference talks yeah so really our vision is you got you know christ center conversations and branching off from christ center conversations you have two podcasts which is book of mormon podcast and conference talk and then each will have their own feed and so they're going to be similar like we have the logo and everything so it's very um similar and you'll know it's still housed under christ center conversations but it will be separate so yeah take a we're excited take a stick and write on it for Joseph. <laughs> oh my gosh. And on the other stick, write for General Conference. <laughs> I can't write you right now. This is, guys, this is who I'm married to. Like, this is what he does. <laughs> I do it too, though. So, yeah. anyway. But yeah, so that's our little um, housekeeping items. And we're excited because. Um, we'll give a shout out to Kirsten. She has a Facebook page. She is my roommate at BYU-Idaho called Choose to be Peachy. And she drafted our logo for us. And we really want to share it, but we're waiting till October. Um, but if you guys ever want faceless illustrations or anything, go to Choose to be Peachy on Instagram. She's awesome. So that's all. That's my little And plug-in. just as a disclaimer, we will be mentioning this pretty much at the beginning of every podcast going forward. And so just be, be prepared um, to hear that again and again and again up until the time that it finally goes over. So, um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and dive in All right. to this 
episode to this talk. Elder Bednar, <clears throat> let this house be built unto my name. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Besides the fact that I had said last week that he always starts his talk with you know, and he will invite the spirit in some way. And he says it, he says, I pray for the assistance of the Holy Ghost as we learn together about the covenants, ordinances, and blessings that are available to us in the temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That really outlines what the talk is about, Mm -hmm. Um, like his thesis statement, but Mm. um, he did it. He always does it without failure. And that's, I wrote beside it consistency. Right. Small and simple things. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's very much an intentional thing. It's not, I mean, he's got to work that in every talk. Right. Right. Somehow. Somehow. Right. At the beginning. And this one, he kind of threw us off a little bit because he waited until like 90 seconds in. <laughs> and I was like, is he going to do it? Is it was like seven paragraphs. Yeah. <laughs> It's true, though. But he always does it. I have enough faith now that I'm just like, it's coming. (laughs) But anyway, um, early on, um, well, he begins his talk by by referencing the several, you know, Mm -hmm. divine visitations, I guess you could say, or, or heavenly appearances to Joseph Smith first in the sacred grove and then following um, when he was, well, three years later in the still young Joseph's bedroom when the angel Moroni visited him. Right. And he, he instructed him there. He became kind of his, his heavenly uh, mentor in, in a way, right. Kind of training him to be a prophet. It says he instructed Joseph about the coming forth, coming forth of the Book of Mormon. And then Moroni quoted from the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. Behold, I will reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers and the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers. If it were not so, the whole earth would be utterly wasted at his coming. And that there is some slight differences between that and the language used in the King James Version, but very much to the point. And what I took away from that was that, you know, both the Book of Mormon and the temple are like two parts of the covenant made by Jesus Christ to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, these things, they, they connect all the way back to the early dealings with the, the patriarchs in the old Testament. Right. And and so the restoration, because all of this conference is about the restoration, right? I think that, so sorry. (laughs) I think that, well, actually, I know that Elder Bednar is talking about the that continuing line of priesthood authority, right? Mm-hmm. An unbroken line of authority and um, 
and then of course he goes on to talk about the temple and the priesthood keys and things like that. Well, and he had to start his talk. I mean, there's no other way to start his talk besides talk about Elijah because Elijah is the one who restored the keys to be able to do temple work, to be able to steal families and do these things. And, um, it's the restoration of all things. Right. And so it makes sense that he begins by speaking about Elijah (laughs) and what that priesthood authority, um, meant for the restoration of the church. And so if we scroll down, it literally, the first heading is the return of Elijah. (laughs) And, um, this was the time that was testified that Kevin just read from the Bible about him coming to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. And all that means is basically in two words is family history, (laughs) right? And we have family history. It has grown so rapidly today. Um, and that, that's amazing. That's a, that's a prophecy being fulfilled. And that's the whole point (laughs) of the restoration of these keys. And I think sometimes we forget that um, because sometimes I get in the mindset of going to the temple and seeking revelation for like myself. Mm -hmm. But I have to remember that that place was restored and dedicated for me to do temple work for my ancestors, Mm -hmm. right? And to link that chain all the way back to Adam and Eve and then to Jesus Christ, right? Well, actually, Christ came while he was on earth, so it would be all the way. I mean, back to Heavenly Father. Right, yeah. So we're all uh, in an unbroken chain. Um, And so, anyway, so that's the point of that. But, oh, speaking, here's a good, uh, I highlighted this, this goes perfect. It says, this sacred sealing authority is necessary so that whatsoever that shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So um, that's the point of it, the sealing authority to prepare the world for the Savior to come again through family history, right? And I have a personal experience in this because um, my mission president, President Torres, in the Texas McGowan mission, and I probably talked about this before, but his way um, – of getting a temple to be built somewhere, right? Anywhere, um, was to increase the family history work. Because if there's an increase in family history work, there is a demand then for the temple. And the thing with McAllen was there's one in Mexico and then there's one up in San Antonio. There's not one in the middle of the two. And so some people came from Mexico and can't go back or they're going to have to cross the border again and they can't go past the checkpoint to San Antonio. So they're stuck. Right. And so if there's a demand for family history work in an area. The Lord is going to put a temple there. And so if we increase our family history, um, that's one reason so many temples have flourished in these last days is because the spirit of Elijah and people are doing their family history. And so the demand for temples has gone up because there's enough activity going on in family history that they need to put one there so that these people can do it now. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And it's just this simple thing, right? Very, very simple. But that is the purpose of temples. 
right? So it shows how important they are and why they're here. <laughs> Kevin's thinking over there. Well, I was thinking about a post that you actually sent me today from President Nelson oh, about yeah. celestial, marriage. celestial marriage. And let me just go ahead and pull it up. I want to pull that up. Oops. Um, so yes, it's by, it's by, oh, it's like, I guess it's a. It's Russell Nelson. Well, it's, yes, but it's not from his Instagram. It's like. Oh, it's, yeah, it's Instagram called Declare My Word. But anyway, it's actually from October, apparently 2008, something that Russell M. Nelson said. Um, and he talks about, you know, exaltation and, you know, the, the highest degree of celestial glory is, um, or in other words, exaltation is to be sealed um, as a family. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a major, really a, a prerequisite to be exalted. It says, the noblest yearning of the human heart is for the marriage or for a marriage that can endure beyond death. Fidelity to a temple marriage does that. It allows families to be together forever. This goal is glorious. All church activities, advancements, quorums and classes are means to the end of an exalted family. And I thought that was really powerful. And I've, you know, I've known that I've definitely known that, but it really reminded me and it reminds you of like, what's the purpose of come follow me, mm. right? It's to get people to the point where they enter the temple and are sealed with their family. Right. Right. Um, What's the, what's the purpose of anything that that's, that's the ends. And it says, this is the last part. It says to make this goal possible. Our heavenly father has restored priesthood keys in this dispensation so that essential ordinances in his plan can be performed by proper authority. And he lists numerous priesthood holders throughout history, including Elijah, including Elijah and Moses the apostles um, and he says all of those have participated in that restoration of the keys and the reason that i wanted to read that is that this is like in in, a, in many ways in a major way the temple work is a work of love mm -hmm. right family history work is a work of love and that's why it really focuses on the word heart and hearts. Yeah. And so in Elder Bednar's talk, he goes in and he talks about the word heart being used over a thousand times in the standard works. And that our hearts, the sum total of our desires, affections, intentions, motives, and attitudes define who we are and determine what we will become. And so, you know, if, if this work, and really the spirit of Elijah, which is kind of this colloquial term for the Holy Ghost, but it's a very special impression that mm -hmm. we receive from the Holy Ghost, which literally turns our hearts, turns our thoughts and our desires 
from like ourselves to those who have gone before us and we need to be sealed with them. We have an earnest desire to be sealed with them and, and be joined in exaltation with them. I like that. I like that a lot because I, I always think of heart as the intention. Um, I think of it more of just your intentions in general, which is exactly what he's saying. He uses a lot more words to describe that. Um, but when <laughs> I want to also clarify, I think the spirit of Elijah, um, you know, it is the Holy Ghost, but it it's also for those who don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is the spirit of Elijah, you know? It's the light of Christ coming unto them and testifying and putting this spark under them that this is true, right? Um, and it's it's just cool because it can reach people that aren't even members of the church. Like I have an aunt, my great aunt June. Girlfriend has the spirit of Elijah her whole life. Like <laughs> she is family history guru and she loves it. She loves learning about her family history. And I learn from her. I mean, I go to her house um, every time I can, and I'm in California to, to learn more. She has this huge chart about it, and it's amazing. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. I like that the hearts get turned. Um, literally, our thoughts get turned to them. Well, just this last week when I was at work, you know, I was working by myself, and a lady came in, and as I was helping her, she, she was just chatting away about everything. Like, she was very chatty. <laughs> And then she brought up that she had been like getting into her her uh, like ancestry.com and writing about her experiences so that people would remember her and remember like know the things that she went through and oh. stuff like that. And that's also a part, it's not just like, hey, I wanna connect with people who have died. It's also, I wanna, I wanna connect myself to people who I may never get to meet you know, my, right. my grandchildren, who knows if I, am I going to live another day? I need to put down these words that mean, like, that, that mean something to me. Um, and I know I'm talking a lot, but as, as we were sitting here and I looked down and the next part of his talk, of Elder Bednar's talk, he says, planting in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, turning the hearts of the children to their own fathers, conducting family history research, and performing vicarious temple ordinances are labors that bless individuals on both sides of the veil. So lately, and Shelby knows this, I've been talking a lot in past podcasts, in our own one-on-one -on -one conversations about um, the perspective that these men and women had in the Old Testament. Hmm. And they saw their generations going on forever. Like they just saw it. They perceived like the importance of their posterity. And the things that they were doing then were very important. And I thought to myself like, oh, that's like in some way we don't have that. And I somehow lumped all of us into that, but really it was me that some, sometimes <laughs> I don't feel like how I don't feel that way, that connection to my future children and their children's children and, and then going back. And I, that's the mission 
of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, to stir that feeling up and help us gain the same perspective as those very, those venerable, wise patriarchs. And the thing is, I was just talking to my best friend Morgan about this today, about just mindlessly scrolling on, you know, social media apps. And um, she said, you know, they're just not fulfilling after a while. Like you just wasted a whole hour. And the thing about the spirit of Elijah and family history work is it is fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Like you do not feel like you wasted your time. Even if you spent a whole hour just trying to find one person, you don't feel unfulfilled because you know that you're doing a great work. Right. Um, And it may be frustrating, but you know that you're doing something worthwhile. Right. Like that's affecting your future your past and your present, like it's yeah. doing everything, right? So it's just this big, huge um, purpose and fulfillment that can fill a void. Like if you have a void in your life, I would try doing family history work. I'm sure I'm sure that that void will get filled. Um, his next part, like heading in the talk is from the inside out. And I actually, I thought this was cool because <laughs> I quoted Ezra Tab Benson in a talk that I gave last week in our home sacrament meeting. And um, it was in this talk, but I didn't find it in this talk. I found it in the original talk and I was like, oh, there it is. Cool. Um, but he basically says that the Redeemer, obviously our savior wants to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men. And how does he do that? Obviously we know through temples and family history work, but I really like this quote. So keep in mind that we were just talking about hearts and intentions, too. He said, the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take the people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of the people, and they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who change their environment. The world would shape human behavior but Christ can change human nature. And then, (coughs) I'm so sorry, excuse me. And then he goes on to say this. This is my whole point in reading that previous quote. Covenants and priesthood ordinances are central in the ongoing process of spiritual rebirth and transformation. I would like to say, in other words, sanctification. Um, They are the means whereby the Lord works with with each one of us from the inside out. So then he goes to talk about how covenants and ordinances of the priesthood are what help us transform from the inside out and not be, and I take that also as not being, you're in the world, but not of the world, right? Right. Um, And that's amazing. I mean, these covenants that we make with our our savior and, and heavenly father, they really do help us become more sanctified and holy to eventually be like them. Because if we can't do this here, even the slightest bit, we're not going to want to be doing what they're doing out there. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? We're yeah. going to be like, oh, I mean, this is a test to prove here on earth if we can do these things um, to prepare us for more. Because I'm sure it's going to keep going after this. I mean, there's never not work to do in the kingdom of God, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. You know, um, so I listen to a guy. He's a, he, 
runs a couple podcasts himself. His name is Jocko Willink. He's a retired Navy SEAL. And um, something that he talks a lot about is because everybody wants to talk about the Navy SEAL uh, training, like boot camp, which is referred to as BUDS. And it's like this crazy, hard, crazy, difficult thing. And people always want to, you know, there are people who they have like preparation classes for people who are thinking about going to the Navy SEALs. There are fitness boot camps who try to model in a very small way what they go through in, in training. And it's supposed to just be this like really hardcore thing. But Jocko, he talks about that being it's merely a screening process. Mm. And he says, you know, to be honest, the hardest things that I had to do in the in, in my entire 20 year uh, career in the Navy SEALs were not in buds it was out doing the actual missions and the work and like losing people you know things like that and i so i want to use that framework to kind of piggyback on what you said shelby mm -hmm. which is everything that's going on here although we think of it as being very difficult and strenuous and mm -hmm. it's kind of just a screening process for heavenly father and jesus christ that like you said, they're they're trying to see and prove if we'll do all the things which we've been commanded and how are we going to do them? Are we going to do them begrudgingly or are we going to do them with glad hearts right. and and um, and faith? And then once we're out of this training period, we have to do the real work. And right. um, and um, yeah, I just really like. I like tying that in, likening mm -hmm. that, because obviously there uh, some people out there have like crazy head minds like me and want to make that connection. I like it. Thank you for sharing it. Um, I think this next part of the talk was super cool. Um, the fame of this house shall spread. Oh, this this is actually my favorite part of the talk. This was so cool. Because it compares uh, President Nelson's lifetime of temples, like how many temples were when he was born to now. And it's crazy, <laughs> crazy. And I just think I was listening to it again today and I was like, what? that's a lot of temples. Goodness gracious. So um Obviously, we know that temples are key to the work. We've talked about that. The ordinances, the covenants, we need them. Um, and I'm trying to, here we go. So when Russell M. Nelson was born, there was, and that was on September 9th, 1924. Y'all, President Nelson is old. <laughs> 1924. Okay, just a little side note. But he's he's going. Um it says the church had six operating temples in 1924. Then in 1984, 60 years later, 26 temples were operating. That's an increase of 20 temples in a span of 60 years. So that's pretty cool, but 60 years, I mean, it's a lot of years to go by, right? This is what was mind-blowing to me. <laughs> When President Nelson was sustained as the president of the church, 159 temples were operating. That's an increase of 133 temples 
134 years. That's literally over double a time span in 60 years of temples. And then since becoming the president of the church in 2018, President Nelson has announced 35 new temples. And just look at this statistic. 96% of the existing temples have been dedicated during President Nelson's lifetime. 84% have been dedicated since he was ordained an apostle. What does that tell you about temples and the work of the Lord? Um, I wrote next to this just the word hastening. Right. It's speeding up. 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's literally crazy just in his lifetime what was accomplished. And so you see, like you literally see, and it's cool because in the talk it, it shows a map and the map gets bigger as the temples, yeah, right. as the temples get added. <laughs> it had to get, it had to span out. Yeah. It did, because at first it was only here in um, North, uh, America. North America. And then the next one, it's like a little bigger and then it just starts getting covered. Um, and so that shows, that should show um, the importance of this work and in order to accomplish the work and the spirit of Elijah, we have to have those temples, mm -hmm. right? And we have to have the members to go to the temples to do the work. So it's very important. And so that's when he starts talking about things that matter most. And he says, uh, however, our primary focus should be on the covenants and ordinances that can change our hearts and deepen our devotion to the savior. And, and not simply on the location or the beauty of the building. Cause he was talking about how sometimes we get a little too obsessed with a certain temple in a certain area, but um, it doesn't matter what temple, they're all the same ordinances and covenants that you make with the same priesthood authority. I could go on forever about temples because they're literally one of my favorite things on the planet earth and the temples have like, been my anchor in lots of storms of life and have been my um divine uh it's been my connection with heaven if that makes sense it's just been that place where i can go and i know that everything's going to be okay despite everything that's going on and i think i know that now because my family is there in the temple who has gone before me right like mm -hmm. the work i'm doing i'm surrounded by people who are on the other side of the veil. So obviously I felt their support by doing their covenants and ordinances for them. And therefore that power went with me out of the temple to then sustain me in my trials. I wanna ask a question and I want you to answer it as thoughtfully as possible. Okay. okay. <laughs> what would you tell somebody if they confided in you mm -hmm. that they just they didn't feel the spirit when they went to the temple they don't feel the spirit when they go to the temple um my first thought is your heart's probably not in the right place i don't know what's their intent behind going to the temple are they just going to go or are they going to seek or are they going with the intent to disprove that they can't fill the spirit? Hmm. 
I don't know, I would ask where their heart is. I'd probably ask them, well, why do you go to the temple? I'd probably, if you, you know, let's say, Kevin, you're one of my friends, and you say, I don't know, Shelby, I just don't feel the spirit when I go to the temple. I would probably just answer back and say, well, why do you go to the temple? Mm. And I think that would be really telling. Oh, that answer that they give me, I think would be telling of why they might not feel the spirit. Okay. Because I, I will say I feel, I feel the spirit when I go to the temple. I know. 100%. <laughs> I know. The reason that I wanted to ask that question and kind of get your take on it is that I know that, that spirituality is a, it's kind of a muscle that you have to develop. And if you, if you have been going through the motions mm-hmm. and maybe you just, you found yourself in the temple, right? Like you haven't really prepared necessarily to go to the temple mm-hmm. and you, you end up going because it's mission time or it's marriage time. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep going because that's what you do. And you never had the chance to really, to really understand or appreciate why temples were being built in the first place and why they're such a big deal. And, um, you know, it's just like gaining a testimony of anything. It it takes time to develop. And so I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to bring that up. Not Mm -hmm. that I feel like there are a lot of people who go to the temple and don't feel the spirit. Um, I think those people generally just don't go or stop going, but Here's another thought. The spirit could be trying to testify to them, but maybe their heart's just not open to it. They're not letting it in to them. Right? Well, I kind of want to push back and say that it's not always about them. It's not about their disposition. It could be that, you know, they, they haven't had to, they haven't had to prove themselves like they, they haven't been tested mm-hmm. i mean i think that in some ways like the the closure of temples during the covid 19 you know pandemic will actually have blessed people with a greater appreciation for the spirit that when they do go back mm-hmm. they will feel that abundance of the spirit because it wasn't available mm-hmm. i'm just thinking in terms of like there was a guy on my mission who said that he, he talked about people in parts of the world where they had to sacrifice everything to go to the temple and take out their endowments and, mm. and get sealed with their families. They had to go to other countries. Right. And when they came back, they were so destitute that they had to basically become indentured servants to people for the rest of their lives because they were indebted so greatly. And he, he then said, if you think, or he said, do I think that we take the temple for granted? We 100% do. And this was a guy living 30 minutes away from the Rexburg temple. So he understood the ease of going to the temple. We also have about a 30 minute to 45 minute drive to a temple when it is open. There are people living down the street from a temple in Utah, you know, and maybe they go often, but do they really appreciate what happens in those walls? You know, 
I lived in Rexburg and the first year of me being at college, I went to the temple maybe like twice a semester mm. over a period of period <laughs> over a time period of yeah. several months, right? Um and then it hit me one day. I have a temple five minutes up the road for me, like five minute walk, two second drive up the road to me. Mm. Why am I not going every week? Right. It just kind of hit me. You need to take advantage of that. And then understanding the importance of why I needed to be going right. Not just because there's a temple there, but because of the work that's happening and the ordinances and covenants are what made me go every single week. Even when I remember this one specific time I was leaving work and it started raining. No, snowing, rain or snow, one of them. And I was like, all right, maybe I don't have to go today. Cause like I went every Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember. It had to have been snow, it was snow. And um, I was like, I don't have to go today, it'll be fine. And then it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. I do have to go. You know why? Because there were ancestors that crossed plains for me <laughs> to go out west to build the first temple. Or, well, the first temple was actually built in uh, the east. It was Kirtland. Yeah. Kirtland. No, I, I see what you mean, though. But I was thinking if they can trek across plains in the snow, okay, I can walk my little bum five minutes up the road in some light sprinkling snow. Yeah. And I remember feeling some sacrifice there because dude, it was cold. <laughs> like Rexburg wind blowing in your yeah. face. Ooh, it's like bone chilling. And I was like, well, I can do this. And the whole time I just kept thinking about like, I don't even know if my ancestors were on those planes or whatnot, but I was like, oh my gosh. I just kept picturing them as I was walking. And then I got into the temple and the feeling in the temple was so different because I really understood the sacrifice it took to have those temples. So, and I think every time we go, we honor that sacrifice of temples being built and, you know, families that become servants in society because they had to sacrifice everything just to go one yep. time to be sealed. I just, uh, a lot of things came to my mind. The one thing that I want to share, because I think the spirit is going to testify to each person who listens to this, something different. What I would want to share is the, the widow's might from the new Testament. And there is a fantastic Bible video. Yeah. Entitled the widow's might go listen or rather watch, watch that video and you know the sacrifice you're talking about it's also that the the widow the single mom the single parent the college student who pays their tithing even that little bit but it's a lot to them right and that's going to the building up of zion and the establishment of temples which make it possible to do all these things and um i just know that there's so much to be found in the temple there's there's hope 
and happiness, um, eternal life is found there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I may, just as a concluder, I want to scroll back up to the very first part of that heading, the fame of this house shall spread, when it talks about the um, the prophet Joseph Smith one week after the dedication of the Kirtland, Ohio temple. He said, and actually this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Joseph Smith, says, let the hearts of my people, of all my people, rejoice who have with their might built this house to my name. And I'll add with some sacrifice because the early saints, they sacrificed more than anybody to build that temple. Yea, the hearts of thousands and tens of thousands shall great, greatly rejoice in consequence of the blessings which shall be poured out and the endowment with which my servants have been endowed in this house. And it goes on to say, and the fame of this house shall spread to foreign lands and, uh, and so on. And at the time, like, just to think that tens of thousands of people would be impacted by what happened at that temple was kind of preposterous to to a, a critic. They're like, this is just some little North American, like, upstart church, you know? What, how is it going to make that big of an impact? And sure enough, that prophecy has been fulfilled tenfold. Right. Because temples, as we talked about, are everywhere today, and they're making an impact in people's lives. The communities around which temples are built are so incredibly blessed. Um, and so I just want to bear that testimony uh, that I know those things are true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, I just want to close with my testimony of temples because it's been something that's been very constant with me since I've been 18 because I've nurtured it. And I hope that every single one of you listening can continue to nurture or start to nurture or start that family history work because even when you can't go to the temples, you can do family history work. You can do, you know, journaling or writing or writing your experiences about your grandma who's passed away or your grandpa or something because it does contribute to a greater good and you will be fulfilled in that void in your life well maybe it will be filled maybe you'll be strengthened to endure it but i know i know with my whole entire heart that that's true and i say that in the name of jesus christ amen amen shelby thank you well, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> and thanks to all of you who listen and contribute. And next week, we are going to discuss mm-hmm. the um, the talk entitled Hear Him by President Russell M. Nelson, yep. our beloved prophet. And, um, and that's actually the last talk of this session. Um, so that's pretty cool. We've, after that, we're going to only have one session left and we are going to be kind of churning these out in the next couple weeks. Cause, uh, we've got, we've got only so much time. 
until the next conference. So definitely look out for many and more episodes. Yes. Well, we'll see you all next week on episode 21. Bye, Bye everyone. What's something you learned from this episode of Conference Talk? What are your thoughts, impressions, or feedback for us? Be sure to write them down and let us know via Facebook or Instagram at Christ Center Conversations. Press forward, Saints! <laughs>